You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Shank, what you up to today? Just the same old. I've been to the women's prison. I got to leave. That was beautiful. Here oh, I am they now let with you, you They let you out? Yeah, they do. Nice. It's oh, pretty nice. impressive. They don't even ask any questions anymore. No. They d- they don't even make me take my hair down to check in my hair for contraband when I go in. So They don't? No. When you first started going in there, or maybe today, do you ever think that they're going to like recognize you from a previous life and say, oh, man, we can't let her out. She's She lives here. There's only one CEO. Oh, She's really? a sergeant now, but I still call her a CEO. And I'm just like, hey, it's me. But she lets you out. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good to be free today. <laughs> Physically it is, free. It is good to be free. <laughs> well, we're excited today about our guest. Our guest comes to us all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina, I think. Now, I don't know if it's... She might not claim she's from Raleigh, North Carolina, but anyway, that's where she lives right now. Sarah, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Well, we're we're not locked up. We're not in detox. We're in pretty good shape. Pretty good shape. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am Sarah S. My sobriety date is September twenty second, twenty seventeen, and. I've been in AA that entire time. Um, I didn't have a ton of consequences from my drinking, but I did get a missing persons report once. Uh, <laughs> a couple, you know, broken collarbones and all of that. Um, but really, my drinking just slowly progressed, like from high school into college. And then after college, I thought that my partying would kind of come to an end and it definitely didn't. If anything, it just like continued to progress. Um, and so I found myself as a 21 year old, like sitting in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and didn't really, didn't really know what my life had come to at that point. Um, and I've been here, been here ever since I walked in the rooms. Now, how'd you break your collarbone, sir? You got, I'm curious about this. No. You said several. It sounded like you said several <laughs> times. Well, no, I broke my collarbone one time and then I just broke, you know, like the fingers, the toes, like the little, you know, oh, yeah. little drunken breaks that we get here and there. It was that. But the collarbone was also during the missing persons report bender it was like day three we were getting up on the roof to watch the sunrise and I was coming down the ladder afterwards and I missed a step and like fell sideways and slammed into my friend's like sliding glass door nice and Mm. like shoulder first and just broke my collarbone didn't know it till two days later I was like (laughs) swimming and all the things just like doing all the things. Um, but two days later, after I like finally sobered up, I was like, something was not right. 
So. Now, wait a minute. I didn't ever break any bones. So does that mean I'm not an alcoholic? Uh, you may not be. <laughs> well, I've broken Jerry, some bones. But you broke a bone most recently in sobriety. So does that mean that you relapsed? Oh, I haven't thought about that. Let me, let me, I'm going to go to the clubhouse for the newer and talk to clubhouse Joe and see what he says about it. He, he may come, he may call that a relapse. Nice. So if I'm making an amends and mm. I have to do time as part of my amends, is that a relapse? It could be. <laughs> These are good questions. No one ever really what... make that amends though. Come on. No. We'll see what the plain language book says about it when it comes out. It probably they'll probably cover that in there. Hopefully. Oh my goodness. Well, sir, we're glad to have you with us. Yeah, uh, thanks look, for having. We're me. looking. We're looking forward to hearing from you, Shank. What's our topic? Our topic today is one night in the pokey. Whoa! So, our last episode, episode eleven with Graham, we also read from the story. Uh, a lot of shrapnel in here, right? Yes. Um, and good his- history. It, very good history. Uh, we did actually read this in the prison meeting that I was at this morning. So a lot surrounding this story lately in my in my life, I guess, in my sobriety. So where One Night in the Pokey comes from is page 219 in the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And it says... January 8th, 1938, that was my D-Day. The place, Washington, D.C. This was this last real merry-go-round had started the day before Christmas, and I'd really accomplished a lot in those 14 days. First, my new wife had walked out, bag, baggage, and furniture. Then the apartment landlord had thrown me out of the empty apartment, and the finish was the loss of another job. After a couple of days in dollar hotels and one night in the pokey, I finally landed on my mother's doorstep. Doorstep. Shaking apart with several days beard and, of course, broke as usual. Many of these same things had happened to me many times before, but this time they had all descended together. For me, this was it. So this is um, the beginning of the story of Jim Burwell that we read in the last episode. What does one night in the pokey mean? You know, I never really had any questions about what one night in the pokey meant. <laughs> Although I did not spend, I only spent two nights technically in jail for any of any of you all that are counting. Um, the a pokey traditionally is referring to jail. Some people may say prison. I've never heard personally prison described as the pokey. It's usually the big house in my just experience. jail is pokey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, think that, I think that's probably right. Yeah, the pokey, you know, is that informal term for jail. Um, so this basically just means spending a night in jail. Hmm. Okay. A short-term imprisonment, if you will. Short-term imprisonment. Okay. Yes. What? Um, if we were going to translate that, we're a little early for translations, but let's just let's just do it now. What would be a translation for pokey? Well, I think it would be the slammer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. it totally would. <laughs> like, what else would people say these days? You know, Remember that magazine, The Slammer? Did y'all have that oh. in North Carolina? Oh, yeah. We still yeah. have it. It's still out. You were in it. <laughs> yeah. 
You were in it about 12 years ago. Uh, I just remember like going to the gas station, you know, to buy cigarettes and then they'd have like physical copies of the slammer. Yep. 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 That's a good word. The slammer. Mm hmm. Any other words for it? Um, I don't think so. Although we have, I believe in a previous episode, maybe determined that clink spot would be a good. That's uh, a brand new yes. word. That you, a new that word. Up. If you were wanting, you know, to just have a, a new translation. Of clink jail. spot. Yeah. The clink spot. Clink spot. Yeah. Where did that come from? Shank made it up. <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, it's, we not? just made it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a made totally up word. new word. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, did you ever spend any time in the pokey? What? Not really. Well, let me back up. I've never spent one night in the pokey. I have been in the pokey. Mm-hmm. But I always got out before I had to spend the night. I did. I mean, I've, I've been arrested a lot and been in, been in the court system a lot. Um, I did spend the night at the Myrtle Beach jail. Whoa. Two, two of the guys that I was with, we did a little, little thing, little inappropriate thing at, uh, the dollhouse. And, um, those two got locked up and I kind of, I don't know how I wiggled out of it, but I, they got locked up and I spent the night on the bench there in like the, in the, <laughs> the receiving area. They felt bad for you. Cause you're just yeah. too pretty. I was too good looking at the time. Yeah. And they just <laughs> like, man, we can't lock this dude up. They're going to uh-huh. get him. Yep. They didn't want his hair to get messed up. That's right. <laughs> that could be it. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I have not spent one night in the pokey. Well, so what I find interesting in Jim's story, as we read it last episode and as we're using it this episode, is it's not really, you know, one night in the pokey is just a funny term, but like a funny sentence. But he doesn't really put a lot of emphasis on the fact that he had been to jail. And like later on in his story, he talks about, you know, he had spent a few more nights in jail, but it really was not, you know, like, oh, that was that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And that was a consequence that helped me get sober or anything like that. So um, of course my experience is that I did have to go through some things like that, but you know, if you've never Sarah, this is maybe a question for you. If you've never had consequences, like you hear in AA, you know, like jail, living on the streets, drinking out of a paper bag, taking the morning drink, whatever it may be, how can you be an alcoholic? Yeah, it's so interesting because it was something that I grappled with when I first got to the rooms, like, and I remember having a lot of conversations with my first sponsor about it. So that's the first thing. If you are someone who like, isn't sure, you're not sure if you qualify or like have the consequences being honest with somebody about that so that you can have like a conversation I found was really helpful for me to like, understand what my alcoholism looked like and like how I could identify still with everyone else in the room. And for me, my sponsor just asked me like two very basic questions. And she was just like, did you like, once you start drinking, can you stop? And it was like, no. And then 
once you are like drinking, do you know what's going to happen? And I was like, absolutely not. And it's like, whatever page that those two qualifiers are on at the beginning of the chapter was really how I qualified myself as an alcoholic. I didn't have a lot to lose when I got here. Like I was still living with my parents. So it's not like I could balk on a rent payment. Um, I had just graduated college. I wasn't working, um, was still <laughs> living off my parents' money. So I didn't have like a great, you know, what is it? Like, uh, didn't have to get a job too quickly. Um, boyfriends they came and they went it was like whatever didn't really care (laughs) like all of the things like I just didn't really have anything to lose I had a bunch of run-ins with cops like a lot of the time I remember I got pulled over one time and I had like a beer that I was actively drinking on the way home in high school in my um my cup holder that is like down by your ankle in the door and Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I just like never actually got like caught or arrested, but there were plenty of things that like I could have gone to the pokey for, for sure. So you mean you can have an associates in biology and still be an alcoholic? Even a bachelor's. <laughs> bachelor's. Oh, <Whoa. laughs> that's right. Whoa, watch it. Oh, it's a bachelor's. Got it. Yeah. Sure. You, you all of the things. Yeah, didn't you think you couldn't be an alcoholic because you had a bachelor's in biology? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to a four-year private university doing one of the hardest majors. There's no way. No, no way. way you can, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that reminded me of something in the book. Doesn't the, the book talks about young people and... Oh, yeah, to be gravely effective, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. Mm-hmm. This is particularly true of women. I know. I Every time that I read that line, I'm like, <laughs> 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 But I have found that to be true, honestly. And I yeah. just wield that as a sword when people, you know, wanted to say, like, I spilled more alcohol than you drank, than you drank. You know, I'd be like, well. Some do not necessarily have to take the quantities other do, especially women. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> it it also says young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop as he did on their own willpower. Mm-hmm. We doubt if many of them can do it because none will hardly would really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who'd been drinking 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that a lot of our guests have been, got sober young. Yeah. That was not by design for y'all out there listening. It just kind of has worked out that way. Mm-hmm. But this, but the book does say that you can get the mental obsession regardless of your age or how, how long you've, you've drank. It also implies, now this book was written in 38, and it's talking about the crowd of 30 or less. So young people are nothing new in Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow. How about that? Wow. So. Well, and I think it's important to say, too, that consequences don't get or keep you sober anyway. And I'm so thankful that even though, you know, and I've, I've said this a million times on this podcast probably, but. The fact that I had this this very severe 
consequence and I had harmed other people, you know, fear sobered me up for a bit, but I was told very early on a week, two weeks into my sobriety that committing crimes and the fact that I was going to go to prison wasn't going to keep me sober. You know, that like people would drink again because of the allergy, because of the effect produced by alcohol. And I could think all I wanted to that this was the most horrible thing that could ever happen. And I'll never drink after this. But if I took that attitude, I probably would drink again if I were an alcoholic. Yep. So the consequences may be that you, you know, get kicked out of school or your parents kick you out of their home or maybe none of that. Maybe they just say like, Hey, I'm really disappointed in you. (laughs) That may be like the consequence, but that's not going to get or keep anyone sober. If they're an alcoholic, like the book describes. Yep. Here's a question. How can I live on a spiritual basis and stay sober? If getting a job and a place to live are not my priority. (laughs) Sarah, what do you think about that one? You know, when I think about this, it reminds me of um, when I was like going through anything in my first like six months of sobriety and I would call up my sponsor, like freaking out. You know, I had like found out that an ex that I had been with um, previously before I got sober found out in sobriety that he had cheated on me. And it was like this, you know, this whole (laughs) thing, right? Like. I remember I would call my sponsor and she kept telling me like, Sarah, this is just like an eyelash in like this grand scheme of your life. Mm -hmm. And it like, to me, it didn't matter if it was like, if it was getting a job or having a place to live that like, felt like it was important. Like whatever I was going through was like dramatic, right? Like it always felt like it was the end of the world, no matter what it was in early sobriety. So to me, it's like, there's, the opportunity to live spiritually and practice principles, no matter what the obstacle is that you're facing, because there's always going to be obstacles. So whether or not it is something like your basic needs or, you know, somebody cheating on you or, you know, doing whatever it is, the opportunity to seek a relationship with a higher power to reach out for guidance and help and use our tools and call a sponsor and all of that is always there no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It can be hard to tell somebody that's brand new though, that, Hey, don't worry about a job and don't worry about a place to stay. Focus on your spiritual demonstration and focus on staying sober and taking the steps. Um, it can be hard to trust that or to believe that I I know that. And sometimes I think what people hear is do nothing, but go to meetings and don't worry about anything else. That's really not what we're saying. I mean, really actually a job and a place making money and being self-supporting and a place to live or, I mean, you need those. Um, but you don't need them to stay sober is kind of the the message I'm, I know that when I got sober, I mean, I thought I had to chase a job and a place to live. And the, you know, the couple of guys that helped me, they were very adamant about if you go back and try to chase your wife down and your boy, her boyfriend and jungle jungle and try to get a place to stay and all that, that you're, yeah, you might get drunk that you should just focus on 
the steps and the program. And I don't want to say the rest of the stuff takes care of itself, but you're in a position to where the other stuff works out. But it can be hard to trust that when you're brand new. I think for me, it wasn't when I was brand new. Like I knew I was about to lose all of my freedom. Uh, women still really encouraged me to be involved in AA, which I thought was stupid at the time. I need to make money so that while I'm incarcerated, like my affairs can be taken care of yeah. by my family or whomever. It was after I'd been sober for a few years and, you know, I was no longer incarcerated and this and that. It's like, oh, like I would just come up with all of these things that were high drama where it's like, well, I'm a felon and I'm never going to be able to find somewhere to live on my own. And that was true for several years, uh, but it did not need to be the high drama situation that I created. And my sponsors were always just like, hey, how about you just take the action, fill out the required application forms, go show up. And then if they say no, then you move on and you still live with family for a period of time who are drinking what I thought was alcoholically, you know, like you can stay sober no matter what. Um, and I wanted to advance in my career, but Alcoholics Anonymous has really taught me that I can be one among many. I don't have to be the boss. And there were several years where I had the opportunity to move up in my career and it just wasn't, it wasn't right for where I was in my sobriety. And I really had to to listen to other people on that because the pomp and the worship of other things and my ego wanted to come in and say, well, even though I had all these consequences and I have all these things, I'm going to be dealing with the rest of my life. I'll show everyone that I matter and I'm not just the prison girl in AA or like whatever, you know, I may have been yeah, thinking this yeah, for right. several years. And the truth is that when I did just relax and take it easy and and do the actions eventually something happened i mean what that meant was it was a studio apartment for several years but i was happy to be there yeah. you know and i was able to save money and it really didn't freaking matter where i lived it does not matter where you live and if, if you listen shank's not a one-trick pony she's not just the, the prison <laughs> the prison girl <laughs> oh my goodness now sarah weren't you suspended in the fourth grade i was how, I mean, how, this is true how can you be an alcoholic if you've been if you got suspended or maybe that's why you're an alcoholic because yeah. you were suspended in the fourth grade yeah i drank over that for years just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, I was, I've always been defiant. Like I was just defiant from the, from the very beginning always. Um, but I did also go to like a very strict school where, um, the reason that I got suspended was like, it was like, um, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. I had been doing like lots of little things. And then I eventually threw away this, this other girl's lunch card that I didn't like. Nice. They found out. Somebody told on me. They snitched. Mm, We don't like that. No, not in the pokey. We get busted (laughs) in the pokey for that. Um, And yeah, it was just. That could be why you're alcoholic. I mean, it has to be. I don't know what else would have caused it. Yeah, that could be it. Could be it. It's not. Or it could be because you were first generation American. It it wasn't that a. That was I mean, a deal too, right? I got Irish on one side and English on the other. 
So it could, it could be that the Irish side of things. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I've got another question for everyone. Okay. Why doesn't AA just teach us how to quit drinking without having to change anything else about ourselves? So why would just, we should be able just to quit drinking and not have to change anything else. We just keep living the way we were. Any experience that with that? Great. Sarah? Yeah, that would be great. If I could do that, I would have done it. <laughs> if I could do that, I probably wouldn't have been an alcoholic. Like I probably could have just stopped drinking. I, I think that's probably right. <laughs> you know, like I, I just, I don't think that I didn't really, uh, I didn't really know alcohol was the, the problem maybe it was a problem i don't really remember um i was a blackout drinker all the time that's what i wanted to do so um i just don't I, that's probably what i thought when i arrived to aa is that i just needed to quit drinking yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got any experience with that one sir i was thinking about how um I don't know if you guys have ever put this in as a shrapnel or not, but I was thinking about that thing that people always say about the only thing you have to change is everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a good one. We're going to put that down. I don't think we've covered it. Mm -mm. I was thinking about that. You go ahead and cover it. Who? Me? Scrap it. (laughs) All right. right, That one's done. Um, No, I mean, like I, came to AA to quit drinking. I had no idea what I was getting myself involved in. Like, I feel like even when I came in and I like looked at all the steps on the wall, I wasn't one of those people that was like, Oh God, like amends, like I'm going to die, like run away kind of thing. I remember just like looking at all of the steps and just being like, what is this? Like what is happening? And having no idea what I was going to be in for over the like next, I don't know how long my first round of steps took me like 10 months or something, but I just had no idea what I was like getting myself into in a way of not that it was bad. I just like, didn't have any idea the it sounds so like cliche being like journey that I was going to go on, but like, I, really didn't. I, like, I had no idea what I was getting myself involved in and what was like actually going to be required for me to stop drinking. But it was simple. Like it was very simple for me to go through the steps and do all the things. I just like had no idea that it was going to take like this overhauling of my life and like all of these things to stop drinking. But it made sense once I like had actually gone through it all and started feeling the freedom from all of the wreckage that it was like, Oh, I don't have to drink anymore. Like there's nothing more for me to drink over now that I know how to live a life on a spiritual basis. And I know how to, clean things up when I make a mess of it. And I have all these tools now. It's like, I don't have to drink anymore. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I kind of thought once I quit drinking that I was just automatically going to change and that things were just going to, I, mean, I don't think I strongly believe that it was just kind of a thought that well, drinking was the main problem. And once we quit drinking, everything else is going to change. And it's true with some stuff, but that selfishness and self-centeredness and the dishonesty are deep seated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but 
by staying involved in trying to practice a spiritual way of life the best that you can slowly over time, that stuff, you know, it dissolves or goes away and you, you, you kind of get better. I suspect if, if, if I didn't continue to practice the steps as best as I could, and I think that slowly over time, you also get sick and get dishonest Mm -hmm. again and get, Start stealing from work. Start stealing from work. Shank. Yes, I've <laughs> st- I stole a lot of money from work. I, hey, I paid it back. I turned myself in. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the steps at work. Yes. Yep. That's God doing for me what I cannot do for myself. That's <laughs> what that is. Oh, man. Well, Shank, you got any experience with that one? Well, I mean, yeah, like as I continue to stay sober and work the steps, um, you know, and do a 10, 11 and 12, you know, I mean, it tells us in our book that we, we have to do like enlarge our spiritual life and then self-sacrifice for others. And so as I continue to do that, I think that I continue to grow spiritually and that's what it's about for me. You know, there have been several things that have come up for me over the course of my sobriety that I have people, I have other AA members, a sponsor, people that I see at my home group twice a week for several hours at a time that help keep me on that narrow path. So it's not that like I was bad and now I'm good. It's not really that I was sick and now I'm completely well. You know, it's just I'm I'm a a recovered alcoholic who gets outside of the line sometimes, but I'm involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and in growing spiritually. So I don't get to where I take a drink again. Yep. Yeah. I think Graham covered it. He said, it's not about getting good or being perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's important to remember that, but a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on people to be perfect and start getting on them and judging them and, we're just, you know, we're just doing the best we can. But I think you just, you just came up with a, a replacement for journey. The narrow path. <laughs> narrow path. There, there are certain it. things that I just, you but, know, that I talk to my sponsor or other people that have like I love 30 it. plus years that it's not necessary. Like, I just have a lot of questions about things people do or don't do. And it's not that I'm trying to be judgmental. I realize sometimes it is. But it's just like, why in the heck is this going on or that? Or at our intergroup office, does this sound right? You know, like I'm able to use my God-given brain, but also not think that I'm always right. Like I can loop other people in, you know, and yeah. that's what it's it's been. Like that is a huge change in myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, life is such a narrow path. <laughs> I'm going to start using that instead of journey. <laughs> you should. Oh, we've got to get a replacement for journey. So let's move on to big book shrapnel. Let's do it. All right. So are you ready? It's weird not having the sound effects in real life. (laughs) Uh, Like in real time. (laughs) We could have done that. But no, we edit those in later. All right. Fine. Depending on your responses. (laughs) Okay. All right. Our first big book shrapnel is from page 106, and that is Joy Killer Nag Wet Blanket. (laughs) 
and it says the bill collectors the sheriffs the angry taxi drivers the policemen the bums the pals and even the ladies they sometimes brought home our husbands thought we were so inhospitable joy killer nag wet blanket that's what they said next day they would be themselves again and we would forgive and try to forget (laughs) (laughs) oh joy killer nag wet blanket what is wet blanket? Like, where did that even come from? I was thinking about that. That's a, are... that's a great question. These are great questions. Um, I think it's uh, from what I kind of looked up about wet blanket specifically is like when people would say something was like really cool, really on fire, re- you throw the wet blanket on it and then you just totally kill all the vibes, the mood, the enthusiasm, the chaos, the craziness. Now, I couldn't find... There were several other explanations of where that may have came from. That's the one that I uh, preferred. Nag, someone that constantly scolds or complains, seen as annoying. Joy killer, someone uh, that's a party pooper, per se. Maybe. Maybe. Um, these terms, at least during this time, were typically speaking of women in this context. Okay. It, it is. Um, and they were all perceived as like bringing down the mood, ruining the fun, you know. Not wanting to keep the, the good times going. <laughs> well... You ever been a been around a joy killer, a nag, or a wet blanket? I've been one. Same. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> Come on. Yeah. We know well, you haven't because in this context, it's speaking of women. So it's just yeah, just women. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of yeah, a bunch of nags. I knew a joy killer. Yeah. Joy killer. Blanket. Well, so she's actually one of my good friends, but my roommate, my roommate in college, she always used, we would drink a lot together, be pre-gaming. And then right before we left the house to go out to the actual party or whatever it is, this is my roommate in college. She would always have to smoke a bowl. And every time she would be throwing up and doing all this stuff. And so then I would have to take care of her. Most of the time I would try. Sometimes I didn't. Because I was <laughs> a good friend. But she killed my joy every yes. time she did that. It used to piss me off so bad. <laughs> and I was thinking, though, if she passed out or got sick, I would steal her weed in her bowl and <laughs> finish that off for her. I wasn't really a weed smoker too much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, me either, but still, you could sell it or do something with it. Me either. (laughs) Hmm. Well, what's a... These are not terms that I would use. Okay, so the translation for you all to consider would be party pooper, whiner, and buzzkill. I like whiner. Whiner? No. Yeah. Why? I've been a whiner before. That's why. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. 
I would probably use a more vulgar version of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do y'all want to y'all want to keep it or translate it? Sarah, you want to keep Joy Killer Nag Wet Blanket or you want to translate it to Party Pooper Wine or Buzzkill? I want to translate it. Whoa. Do you really? Joy Killer Nag Wet Blanket are offensive to you or you just think they're, they're like offensive. out? They're just like wet blanket for whatever reason when I think about it like gives me the heebie-jeebies like when certain people hear the word like moist, moist. <laughs> yeah it just like grosses me out it is a bad word uh, I really wanted moist. to translate wet blanket to moist towelette but I didn't think it made sense <laughs> well you're being a real moist towelette right now why is the word moist so offensive? It, it's even like, I don't even like it. <laughs> That's a thing. People know about the word it's moist. It's just weird. It's just We're going to receive like, emails about like, why did you say moist 25 <laughs> times at the end of the podcast? This is a really moist topic. I mean. <laughs> Instead of juicy, just start using moist for everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I don't really want to do either. I don't want to keep it or translate it. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think, Jay Wayne? I'm oh, going to keep it. I'm going to keep Joy Killer Nag Wet Blanket, and we're going to let Shank have the final word on it. So, All right. She well, decides. I think that we should throw it out to our listeners and see if they want to keep it or translate it. And then we're going to ask them to come up with a translation, or are we going to use these three we've got? Um, we could, I think we should ask for a translation. Yeah. Okay. We got it. Hopefully someone suggests moist towelette. (laughs) Yes. Now, if you're listening, we, we need your response. So give us, uh, give us some suggestions on how to translate joy killer nag and wet blanket. All right, right. what's next? Our next big book shrapnel is from page 25, and it is Fourth Dimension. So it says, there is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. I heard that's where we got our name. (laughs) That's right. That is where we got the name rocketed into the fourth dimension what is the fourth dimension what is the fourth dimension Shane? the fourth dimension I mean I guess uh, context clues of being rocketed into it would be like beyond conventional physical reality so mm-hmm. maybe the spirit realm um what I know of of three dimensions of like spatial dimensions would be length, width, length, width, and height. 
So outside of that would be aliens. So it's beyond the third dimension. <laughs> what we see and feel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's probably more of like a metaphorical expression. Like someone has experienced their profound transformation or they've reached like an unimagined level of understanding or awareness. Rocketed into the fourth dimension. What you think about that one, sir? I love this one, honestly. I feel like it's, um, that's, I mean, I don't know if it's open for interpretation per se. Yeah, let's hear it. Like, Go for what it. What I think of as well is like a, like a spiritual kind of perspective or outlook on the world is kind of what I think of with like the fourth dimension. And so I think it's such a good way to like almost attempt to describe to a newcomer or somebody not familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, like what you experience when you get to the point of being God conscious or like once you have gone through all 12 steps, like I, I don't know if I knew what it meant as a newcomer, but Mm -hmm. as someone who is no longer a newcomer, like reading this, I'm like, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Like, it's such a good way to, to describe it. It is a good way to describe it. It's a good way to live. What do you think about it, Jerry? Well, he's just so dramatic. He's so dramatic in some of this stuff. We found much of heaven. Mm. (laughs) And we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension. I love it. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what? I I don't remember being new much, but um, and actually reading this, I should say, but it probably would give me a little bit of hope, even though I wouldn't have fully understood it. Um, it does kind of imply that everything's going to work out perfectly, though. Mm-hmm. What I know when bothers I was me a little new... bit, but is that um, there was a friend of mine that was taking me to some young people's meetings and they would always like make a rocket sound and be like in the middle of the meeting if they would read that and I highly disliked that so I was like God can we go to a meeting that doesn't read that because I'm so tired of hearing this one guy make a little rocket noise oh don't be a moist towelette (laughs) (laughs) yes really I couldn't stand it. I was like, oh, God, the chanting and all the crap they do here. (laughs) (laughs) That is true, though. I like what you were saying about it feeling like there's a lot of hope in it. Like, it almost just feels like it's, like, anywhere beyond where I am right now. (laughs) Something beyond here (laughs) is what it feels like. And is ideal. Yes, please. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it well, sounds like we like that one. Yeah, this one's a keep for sure. Well, hold on. Hold, hold on now. <laughs> I'm interested in what a translation would be. So, kind of a like, really like alternative new age translation. What do you got? You so, got I would think um, zoomed into uncharted vibes. Nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> Zoned. Zoomed. Zoomed. Now you gotta zoom. Oh. Or blasted to all new vibes. Good blasted. vibes, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, instead of rocketed to the fourth dimension, we're blasted into a whole new vibe. <laughs> Zoomed into an uncharted vibe. Not gonna work. Hate it. Yeah, it's not. Transmuted. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See that bachelor's degree working out. Huh? <laughs> yep. You won't need that plain language book they're going to translate. You got mm -hmm. you, huh? You are the the translation. I'm going to make <laughs> my own book. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. As you should. You so you want to keep fourth dimension, Sarah? Yes, for sure. Uh, I'm going to keep it. Shake. We're keeping it. We are keeping it. All right. All right. So the last big book shrapnel is a personal favorite. Um, listeners out there, if if this is not one of your personal favorites, it will probably quickly become one. So this is from page 85. Our third big book shrapnel is Every Day is a Day. So here is what it says. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. <laughs> I don't know, why, I don't know why, but every time reading that, it just seems like something is a little wrong with that sentence. Like, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, no crap. Every day is a day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. Sarah, what do you think about this one? I agree with Shake. It's just like a weird sentence structure. Like, why don't you just say, like, we need to do this daily? Like, mm -hmm. why every day is a day? It just seems like, it seems like such a damper on a par on a powerful paragraph. Like, <laughs> right? your name just, like, chucked in the middle of it. It, it does. Shank, is it, is it gr grammatically correct? From what I know... With my high school education, this is grammatically correct from what Google uh, has told me. Yeah. It does huh. seem to me like there should be in a like a comma or a, an ampersand or a colon. Right. I don't know. Something yeah. in here. But yeah. um... so what's he trying to is he? Okay, so the best that I can come up with is, like, it's trying to emphasize, like, continuous commitment and mindfulness for this particular, like, challenge of sobriety. So, or the challenge of carrying the vision of God's will into all our activities. It goes on to say, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. 
These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. So that you're like consistently attentive, dedicated to every single day without exception. You know, just like, hey, every day is a day when we must carry this vision of God's will. Like every, I try to emphasize different words and it just still sounds silly to me. Yeah, no matter how you do it. I guess he's trying to say, you got to do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> just for today. Just for today. I will practice every day is a day. <laughs> it do- To Sarah's point, well, it does seem like it should say, you know, we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities every day. Would be a better sentence. Yeah. Like, why do you need to say every day is a day when we must carry <laughs> The vision of God's will. Like, yeah. I don't it is. Know, man. It cracks me up every time I. You remember when we were doing that rogue big book study during <laughs> the, the so called pandemic and nobody yes. could meet and we were meeting in the annex and we were reading this and like the whole group, we read it and we just like stopped and looked at each other and just started cracking up. We could not stop laughing. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, oh man. Every day is a day. I don't know. Um, I love it now that I've, now that we're talking through it because I know, it's, just, I know. it's just so goofy. I don't really think you can replace it with anything. You could restructure the sentence, but then again, like, don't we try to do that enough in AA? Like, I catch myself being like, "Well, it could be written this other way," and then like flashback to being at an assembly and someone saying like, "I need an agenda item." to move a comma and the blah da 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 and you're like god dude are you serious so it's like i don't want to get too in the weeds about it i like to just laugh about it i don't know what it yes but what if we did this we could we could take the term from al-anon and from na just for today (laughs) just for today we must carry the vision of god's will in all of our activities but it's it's not just oh. for today. It's every oh. day. Every day is every a day. Every day is a day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just for today. Well, all we've got is today, Sarah. <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't know. Don't drink no matter what. Just today. <laughs> just no matter what. <laughs> well, and I think it's fun, too, just to discuss things like this. It's, you know, I mean, I never could have imagined that I would be having fun like this in AA, just talking that- about a book that was written forever ago. You know, just like laughing hysterically about stuff like this. You know, that was just definitely not in the realm of things I thought I would care about or would be fun to me when I got sober. That's a good point. That's very true. I thought my life was going to end when I got sober. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself, with my life, with my time? Yep. What else is there? Yeah, life can Mm -hmm. seem like it's over. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And as long as we remember that every day is a day, we're going to be okay. <laughs> Just for today, remember, every oh, day is a day. Oh. I'm going to be saying this all day. Oh, man, I'm going to wear some people out with it. We definitely did that after that big book study for like, it just now calmed down. So we're like getting riled back up. Oh, my goodness. Well, is there any kind of translation for it? I don't. I don't think so. Like, I okay. just keep the, the modern translations for most of these things. I just, like, put in vibes in there because everyone's talking about good vibes. So, 
October vibes, chill vibes, yeah. fall vibes, pumpkin yeah. spice Journey. vibes. Oh, pumpkin spice vibes. They got so, pumpkin spice Narcan, I hear. Uh, have y'all seen that? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all those, uh, yeah. Harm reduction, folks. Now they got that. They got that. That's a lie. Pumpkin spice Narcan. That's I don't a know if it lie. Is or not, yeah. man. Jay oh. Wayne. That is not true. Well, we're digressing. I think it is true. Well, okay, so the... No way. Okay, so I think that the translation could be every day is a vibe. Every vibe is a vibe. Um, every. Um, vibes are vibing, and we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. I like that. Vibes are vibing, and we must carry it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sarah, you want to keep every day is a day? I do. I like it. It's fun. All right. All right. We've got to start saying it a lot. I'll say it every day. Yeah. <laughs> because every day, is a day. every day is a day. So all those people at the at the meetings that are used to saying one day at a time and just for today and all that, we just got to come back at them. Every day is a day. <laughs> it works. It really I does. I think we should keep it. Shank, what do you think? We're keeping it. All right. We are keeping it. It's good to have fun. It's good to laugh. Sarah, thanks for coming on and being with us. Thanks for having me. Yep. We appreciate your experience. And remember, every day is a day to be free. Freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, You can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.